Welcome, you're listening to Raw Health Rebel Podcast with Lisa Strabak. It's time to disrupt the current view of health and return to the raw basics that true wellness comes from within. I'm super excited to have Dr. Alex Lee on this episode. On a personal level, Dr. Alex has been a huge source of inspiration and comfort to me throughout the last year. Although Dr. Alex isn't big on elevator pitch introductions, for the purpose of this preamble, he's a chiropractor who runs a healing and performance business in Florida, and he's also an advocate of health freedom and informed consent. We discuss Dr. Alex's light bulb moment into a different way of thinking about health after an injury as a baseball player, and that health expression comes from inside out rather than outside in. We discuss terrain theory, and that it's only our inability to adapt to the environment of self that makes us sick. We chat through health freedom and informed consent, and Dr. Alex explains why he would die on the hill for these causes, and that the key to informed consent may begin with home births. Dr. Alex shares his view on why the Western medical system needs to fall, why the future of healthcare needs much more empathy, and why we have to be walking examples of living congruently with our beliefs. We discuss Dr. Alex's work with the passport resistance and its aim of posing the question, is it ever okay to split society into two based on an experimental injection? So yeah, thank you so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. And do you know what? People yeah. like you have just really inspired me to kind of speak out. And I found it really just comforting over the last year to know that there are people out there that sort of think the same, feel the same, and then it encourages you to find your voice. So, you know, I think everything you do is really sort of inspirational. So thank you. Um, well, thank you for that, Lisa. Thank you. No, it really does, um, you know, mean a lot. And then I think it creates that ripple effect, doesn't it? And people find that they can then start to talk out a bit more. Um, so for people listening, are you happy to just quickly introduce yourself in your own words to everyone? Sure. I'm not really big on first impressions, introductions, all that. But Alex Lee, uh, we can just go from there and start kind of rattling off some questions. But I, I guess where, where I've kind of gained a little bit of a following I'd say not even that big I, I've just I started speaking up probably May or June of 2020 so during the lockdowns on more of a public forum which was just posting on Instagram mm. uh, and through that started to gain some followings and really just have conversations and connect with people that were thinking the same way and what I really found was that ultimately at the core of a lot of people there was this this like real desire for for freedom and health freedom and to you know be able to actually know what's going into their bodies and be able to make those choices in an informed way and they weren't seeing too many people from either you know a health professional side or a medical side or, or whatever you want to call it um that was speaking up against what was going on and actually giving statistics that were that were true and, mm -hmm. and not not fear-mongering so with that just connected with a lot of people and, and just through, through DMS, through comments on posts and really found that there's a lot of people that think the way that we do. And a lot of people just need permission to think that it's okay to actually start to have the conversation. So um, as far as like what I do professionally, I, I practice chiropractic. If people ask, you know, what I do, I, I, I always kind of like try to spin the question back on them. Cause it's just kind of like, if you put a label on something and you just, you categorize it as one thing, you, you can, you can start to marginalize it however you want. So I'll just kind of throw it back at people. I'll be like, well, I, I, don't know, I go to bed when the sun goes down, I, I wake up in the morning, I move around a little bit, I drink some coffee, like, <clears throat> but I, I practice chiropractic professionally. Um, and then I tell people that I, I run a, a healing and performance business. And my, one of my roles in that is, is to practice chiropractic and make sure that the brain and body are connected through the nervous system, through chiropractic, and then um, making sure that people are integrating that in as many ways as possible, primarily through movement, but then also through, through lifestyle. So um, basically not adding or subtracting anything from the body, but just honoring that the body's is incredibly capable and incredibly intelligent. Um, I, don't, I don't even like to use the word machine, but organism that can heal and adapt and perform and, and do all these things, these incredible levels that we we've, we innately know it, but we just haven't been told it and given permission to go do it. So, so that's what I do on a, on a day to day. 
I love that intro and you know I love the fact actually that you answered like that because so many people when you ask you know what do you do they define themselves by you know their occupation and actually it's so much more than that isn't it so yeah, um, yeah I do love that um, and it's people always to- say like the, the the elevator pitch you know like give it in 30 seconds I'm like I don't know I don't I don't take elevators so yeah <laughs> I, I don't same. either yeah. yeah I don't understand people who take uh, yeah lifts it, like for one floor two floors I mean I hate them anyway but yeah it's yeah. an opportunity to get some exercise I got stuck in two in a three-month span and now I just don't I don't deal with them anymore so um, seriously yeah. that is like literally like, I, I don't have many phobias or fears but I am claustrophobic I have an absolute fear yeah. of getting stuck in a lift so I, I won't even go on the tube when I'm in London yeah. <laughs> so that is that's horrible how long were you stuck in there for uh, one was like five minutes. Another one was probably like 15. That but. must that must feel like forever, though. Um, OK, anyway, I'm digressing. So one thing I want to yeah. ask you, you've recently moved, haven't you, to Florida? I have. I moved cross country from Bay Area in California to Florida. So it was 44 hour drive that we took about two weeks to make just to kind of see the, the southern part of the U.S., enjoy our time we had some friends along the way that we stopped and stayed with but yeah we we made a move because well for two reasons my fiance also practices chiropractic she just got done with school in march and we kind of had a you know open slate to clean slate to just move wherever we wanted we didn't have any family in california we have a lot of close friends and and people there but um we could kind of remove ourselves from the situation that was happening there which was it's I don't know. It's pretty tough. I don't, I don't see how, uh, I don't see how I could open a business there and think that it would be the right long-term decision. So there's a lot of things that obviously I've been speaking up against this whole time and it just kind of came time to, all right, we can, we can make a move. Let's do this babe. And then we, we just decided that there was a few different States we were looking at a few different places and Florida ended up just, we had the most green lights to move here. Uh, we're in yeah. Sarasota now and we just, we tried to take as much, as much thinking, as much like checklist stuff out of it and just make it like a, a heart-based decision. And yeah, we're here and it's been about a month. We're actually flying back to California tomorrow for a wedding. But other than that, um, we will be here for the foreseeable future, which is nice. And what I'm really intrigued as someone sort of stuck in England where we are, <laughs> it feels very small right now, you know, like literally yeah. trapped here. Um, and it just feels like Florida, the impression we get is it's open for business. You know, it's pretty much normal um, life. You know, is that for someone that's there? Is it actually like that? Or are there still, you know, that COVID weirdness anywhere? No, it's pretty, pretty open. <laughs> um, yeah, it's open. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah that is it's uh, that is something that I want people to hear because you know it's crazy we're still we've still got restrictions going on here you know after well it's over a year now and um they just keep getting extended so to think that there are I mean I'm not it was my daughter's sports day this afternoon and I'm not allowed to go watch it outside because um yeah obviously you know covid might come catch us while we're standing outside um it is crazy. So it's nice to know at least some places haven't lost their minds and you can actually get on a plane to go back to California, which is amazing. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to uh, sit there with the, the thing on my face for a while, but I, I found a way kind of around it while I'm in there. It, th- there's all these little things that you can kind of do that. I, know, I remember reading all these all these like World War Two either historical fiction or like real stories and you hear like the little ways that people kept saying and sort of rebelled in those situations so Mm -hmm. it's interesting that ours is like wearing a mask so me is like I'll wear the hat all the way down to here and then pull the mask down so I can breathe for the eight hours that I'm on an airplane but you know there's little ways that you kind of stick it to them when you're in a situation where it's like okay I have to do this either for in California, it was to get groceries. So like for sustenance, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to play the game and do this. Otherwise I, I don't get to eat. Um, and obviously speak up as much as I can. And then the airplane, yeah. let, the travel thing is really what, I, I don't know. I don't know the way around that at this point, other than refusing the test, refusing to comply with all that. And then, um, I don't know. I mean, they're even citing federal law on planes saying that, you know, it's a federal law to wear a mask and the, the warrior energy in me wants to stand up and be like, can you just cite me that federal law? Can you, yeah. can you show, can you show it written to me? I, there's no way that I win that because they either, 
they either get into an argument with me and just kick me off the plane because they don't they don't want to deal with that or they can't produce it and then i'm still standing there just like i'll put it on once you show me and then they can't and then they're like but you signed the you checked the agreement you checked the little box that you accept our terms it's like all right just just get me there get me to where i'm yeah. going obviously i wouldn't have bought the ticket if i didn't want it but that's what's uh that's where people are handcuffed with this whole thing so yes to answer your question florida's open <laughs> yeah no that's great and actually i don't know if you've heard um i saw i'm trying to think where well, i saw them now on someone posting on instagram she went to the u.s uh for business she was allowed to go and there are these masks you can get that look like masks but they're actually fully breathable you know she says she, she said you know, in the uk she doesn't wear one but obviously to fly to the u.s she had to so she found she went to la and she found these um so the people that make them hate masks so they made them for people that they um don't want to wear masks it might be worth checking those out see if I can remember the name um so so how did you get into sort of, I hate the word alternative health uh, but natural health however we want to call it how did you sort of get into it sure I know what you mean uh, so I always had the I I'd always from probably 15 years old on I remember when I was 14 someone told me that soda was bad for the first time and I was like really um but it was sort of this from around 15, 16, when I was in high school, I played, played sports. I was an athlete. I guess I still am, but was always looking at ways to just perform better or heal better or, or do anything at a higher level. And with that became a lot of asking questions, a lot of searching, a lot of just personal work going into whether it was training or, you know, working on developing a skill. And I played baseball in college. The end of my college career. So my senior year, uh, I had a lower back injury. And with that, I, I kind of, it was the first like big injury that I had that I, I had to kind of fend for myself and figure out what was going on. And went to specialists, went to PTs, went to chiropractors, just kind of went everywhere. Athletic trainers. I was always in the training room at school and just couldn't really figure out what was going on. And it, it seemed like everywhere that I went, there was, there was, two solutions. It, it was either drugs or surgery or just like wait until it starts to get better on its own. And for me, it, it, it just seemed like a really disempowering approach where it was, it was that health was happening to me rather than health was expressing from me. And uh, I actually met, so you already mentioned his name, Tommy John. Uh, he was a, okay, let me make this connection. He was my best friend in college's trainer in high school. So that's the connection okay. there. And he was finishing up chiropractic school in Atlanta. After I graduated school, I moved to Atlanta and we connected there. And then just the way that uh, I heard Tommy talking about health and like expressing it from, from outside, from inside out rather than outside in. And that uh, basically the, everything that I started studying, everything that I started experiencing, everything I started observing was there, there really is no situation where the environment makes us sick or hurts us it's always our inability to adapt to the environment um, or to to self like what's going on within our head so that was just a huge light bulb moment for me to kind of switch everything and ultimately from that uh, it led to really studying the philosophy of of chiropractic which is i mean you can even take that farther back from before 1895 to you know like hermetic philosophy and and uh, even religious texts and philosophies that really tie everything together, you know, like talking about the cosmos and talking about how, you know, everything is, everything exists in relationship with everything else. And when I started looking at it like that, it was, it, it just, it really puts the beauty of life back into health. And then once you can really define what life is and, and know that we're all these interconnected things, then you can get to what health is like health is supposed to be normal, good health and good health expression uh, is is just like what our default should be. And then when we do all these things that are disconnected from whatever that source is, then we start to get to these adverse health outcomes that are chronic over, that we can start to label and, and term and, and name all these things. When really to me, it's just, it's a departure from things natural. And mm -hmm. um, I, I haven't, I, I couldn't figure anything. I couldn't debunk it. It was just like, honestly, a couple of years of me trying to be like, well, I had, I have to prove that this is bullshit so that I don't have to go to school and do this for the rest of my life. And I couldn't, and it always comes back to the same thing. Can, can the person adapt to the situation that they're in? If they can, great, then there's no conversation even be had. And you can't measure like 
not sickness or not injury. You can't, you can't measure that. And everything in the Western model loves to be measured. They love to measure, you know, all these little snapshots in time, blood work, uh, x-ray, all these pathology reports. And really that, like, that's, that's just not, that's not health and health, like the, the smallest two sentence thing I could say, good health is your body's supposed to do something and it does it. Bad health is your body's supposed to do something, but it can't. That's it. And then that can be a short window of time, or it can be a really long window of time. And everything that, that I work with on a healing and performance level is to make that person's threshold or adaptability, this like bigger base here. And once that's bigger, once that foundation's bigger, whatever is thrown at them that isn't that big, they can handle. So, um, and I, everybody gets these from a movement side, it's really easy to, to kind of make a, a similar analogy. If we were to jump off of a, you know, one meter high, you know, like bench and land, right. And you landed fine. And I landed the same way. And I had a compression fracture in my low back because I couldn't, I couldn't absorb that force, right. Jumping off of a three meter platform or a one meter platform. Isn't, it's not inherently dangerous. We don't have to ban that. We don't have to say that jumping off of that is like not something that anybody can do anymore because one person got hurt doing that. That's essentially the germ theory of movement, that movement's dangerous, that running is dangerous, that playing rugby is dangerous, that, that, that anything, I'm, I'm trying to make UK analogies right now instead of US <laughs> ones. I'm using meters too, and I'm like, three meters. Oh, uh, that's good. So, yeah, and um, it, it's the same thing with our environment right now, right? That this, this virus that hasn't been isolated is dangerous and that it has the same effect on each person. And they literally say like, what is it? The average person that that died with with COVID or, or whatever it is had an average of what, like four, four comorbidities. Mm-hmm. A comorbidity is just I mean, you're just labeling abnormal expression of health. But you're basically saying you're, you're, you're proving terrain theory with that, that it's somebody who can't adapt to their environment, can't adapt to whatever this other stressor is. And that ultimately ends their life or, you know, through the series of not being able to adapt more. So. Yeah, it, it's the same. It's the same thing. Like it just you, you filter it all through that same lens, and then it gets to wherever you want to, whether it's physical expression or emotional expression or, or chemical expression. Being able to adapt to the outside rather than the outside's happening to you. So that's that's how I got into to health. It was just it was changing that mindset in my head, and then being able to look at all of it and be like, well, it all has to follow the same principles. So let's just start dialing in the principles, and then if if people aren't getting it, you're seeing people not getting it on like a huge level right now, like a global level. And people have rapport right now with the wrong, the wrong sources. They have rapport with their government. They have rapport with the media. Um, not that the government or the media is inherently bad. It's just that right now uh, it's taken that magic out of life itself. It, it's, it's that we're these helpless victims in our environment and that we have to just stay away from it until it's over. And that's ultimately like the most, <laughs> that, that, it's just sad. It's really sad to see because you're seeing all these people that want to express and want to do all these things. And, and they have this, they have this energy that's just stuck and they're like stuck in their houses or they're stuck behind a screen and there's no more like face-to-face being able to get everybody together to actually be like, hold on, this is, this is wrong, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah. that, that's where I'm at with it all. Do you know that that resonates with me on so many levels and um, you know you actually talk as if you're explaining homeopathy as well I think it's sort of all these natural modalities they all have this sort of very similar philosophy of it being about failure to adapt and the body sort of getting out of balance and um, likewise I remember sort of when I first looked at health in a different way and just the light bulb moment it was it could explain sort of everything why some people get sick why others don't you know it just suddenly all made sense and that sort of desire to to go and study and learn more um you know I really relate to that um it's funny I was like before lockdown I remember saying to my husband oh I just wish you know all the different sort of professions would just you know you know somehow get together and spread the same message because I think we all fundamentally think along similar lines of what is true health and germ theory you know isn't really doesn't explain anything and I was like well be careful what you wish for because I think this last year has given um an opportunity for a different voice to be heard 
or as much as it's tried to be um, suppressed. But no, I well, love that. And so I, I think we all have to remember too that it's it's not our idea. Like none of us individually came up with it. Like this is something much greater than all of us. Mm. And yeah, it, <laughs> there is that hope for the utopian. Everybody that believes the same thing comes together, starts to sing Kumbaya <laughs> from a professional level. And <laughs> I, I don't know if it's ever going to happen professionally. I, I think we're getting a lot closer to it, but I don't know if that necessarily has to be the goal because still, I believe that that could create that, that almost codependent relationship between patient provider. Um, and I don't even like to use the word patient, but um, client, student, I, I, I don't know, the, the person, the, the subject, right? From the operator mindset of, of us being the operator, working with somebody, it, it can't be that, oh, I need to go see you know, I need to go see this person again because I'm feeling out of whack. It, it, that then just becomes an expensive aspirin. It, it, it's not, it's not truly embodying and taking whatever it is that that person said and making it your own, making it your own philosophy. It, it, and then because then it's still an outside in. So um, I've definitely seen the the codependency on on every level from even the most natural and you know holistic health providers. It can still create that if. Um, I, I don't know. It, it can still be a pathological form of, of healthcare, in my opinion. Completely and absolutely. Do you know what? I've actually sort of paused seeing new clients for now because, you know, no matter how much I try and tell people, this remedy is only stimulating your own body to self heal. And, you know, it, the healing comes from within and it's, you know, it's about your whole lifestyle. It's not just about coming and popping a pill, even if it's a natural one. You know, it's a much bigger thing than that. Um, you know, people, I think, particularly early on, they can still come to holistic practitioners expecting outsourcing it. So it's just moving it from allopathy to um, holistic medicine. So, I, yeah, I completely agree. The, it, the message has got to be that it healing comes from within, I think. Um, so I really like what you're doing sort of with the whole um, health freedom and voicing that. Um, you, are you still part of the health freedom for humanity and, and what you're doing um, with that if you are? I am. Yeah. So the last, I don't know, six weeks with moving and whatnot, there's a lot of moving pieces with everything. So I've been a little less active, I guess, posting stuff. I, I hate even thinking that I'm like a social media activist, <laughs> uh, but yes, I'm, I'm still a part of health freedom for humanity. And it's, I mean, it's such a, such a great movement, you know, and, and to have people all with the same purpose moving in the same direction. Um, and I guess raising the the consciousness and awareness of other people sort of has been springing so many people into action in so many different ways. The only thing bad I could really say is that it almost seems like there's too much going on. <laughs> like it's so tough to keep up with all these individual projects that people are doing, but everybody's really supportive. And obviously community is a community is a much better way to get things done than just one person trying to yell. So it, it, it's been great too. Like I've, I've met people just through that, in real life, which is always interesting to meet people from social media <laughs> in real life. Um, but it, it's, it's really, uh, it, it's almost funny to see how, if you think of how all the information's gotten out to even start the lockdowns in the first place, it's all been through some form of media, right? Like mm -hmm. either through phones or through a bigger channel. And then from that, it, it's kind of gone on for so long that I don't think whoever was behind starting all this thought that other people were going to organize and actually form like a, a counter movement that's rooted in something so like true and empowering such as like the the natural health philosophy like that's really what it comes down to like it's it's really a group of people that believe in terrain theory and that that's that's it and then it it um it, it's terrain theory plus informed consent i don't know how else to really go about that and those are two things i'm i'd i'd die on that hill so yeah so would I. And, you know, at the beginning of um, lockdown, you know, when I was feeling quite alone and I was saying to my family, like, I know where this is going to end. You know, this doesn't work because germ theory isn't a thing and locking us all down if we're healthy, you know, isn't the way out of this unless they're planning to vaccinate us all as the way out of this. And everyone's yeah. like, calm down, Lisa. Vaccines take years to be developed. You know, that's not going to happen. And I was like, uh, OK, I really hope not. But, um, you know, I've seen the EU vaccine passport roadmap years ago and they're a year or two behind. So this gives an opportunity. And um, yeah. 
yeah, I, I think health freedom and informed consent are absolutely critical. You know, I completely, I would die on that hill too. And um, yeah, my, my daughter was vaccine injured. She's recovered now, but, you know, I learned the lesson the hard way. And I just think, had I been given informed consent at the time, proper, you know, made a proper decision based on full facts, I probably wouldn't have made that. But, you know, people aren't. I think that's the thing. So I think the... The more the message can be spread, I think it is so vital. Um, yeah, so I think it's great. And, I, you know, I think that movement is absolutely amazing. I recommend it to sort of everyone. Yeah. So thank well, you. kudos to you for, um, for taking that, you know, event that obviously isn't a desirable outcome, right? Like a vaccine injury and turning it into something that now is something that you can educate other people on and, and not looking at it as, you know, that you're a victim, but somebody who has to actually take charge and make sure that these things don't continue to happen. Because <clears throat> one of the, I, I don't know whose post it was the other day, but it was, it was basically something along the lines of like, well, if the U S is spending the most on healthcare out of any nation in the world, shouldn't we have the healthiest people? And obviously we, we don't, and <laughs> something has to be wrong with, with that system and the values behind it that I, I look around at, I don't know, I'd say my parents' generation and look at just the common person's physical health and emotional health and mental health and that, and that demographic. And it's not inspiring. Like mm -hmm. if that's where the road is leading, if that's where the system is, is leading, like this, this has to happen. This is a, this is a necessary thing. All the lockdown, everything from this past, like, I don't know, I, the great awakening of 2020 is kind of what I'm starting to call it now. Like something, mm -hmm. something in there has to have, vibrated in everybody's head to be like, wait a sec, is this really the road that we want to keep going down? And then just opening up the conversation, just being like, look, is this, look at the schedule, like look at the CDC's recommended schedule for kids. Is, and then look at all these other illnesses, chronic illnesses, all, ear infections, uh, neurodevelopmental disorders that are happening literally at a one-to-one -one level with this and just explain it. <laughs> explain. Yeah. Or, or is it, or is it agriculture? Is it, is it glyphosate? And everything? Is it, is it like, what is it? it? It's all part of the same system because everything exists in relationship to everything else. It has to be one of the, one of the two or another factor or all of it combined. And if it is the real thing, the real change that has to be done is decentralizing all of this and getting it away from this one, you know, entity, this one, and not even person, just like label of thing, like a, a, a nameless, spaceless corporation saying that this is what has to be done and everybody has to do it fall in line and if you don't there's going to be consequences so that is ultimately where where all this is is headed and i i do think it starts with with moms like i mm -hmm. I've, I've said it before like if if everybody if moms had home births or just had like the informed consent that home births were a thing um and that it was something that they could do that that stops like the whole cascade of intervention with with pregnancy, with actually delivering the, the baby. And then, you know, the first three to six shots that pretty much happen right away in the hospital after a kid's born. And then you're in a system and you're so like interwoven in that at the beginning that that's like, that's where it starts. And yeah. for the, I, and, and your story is, is pretty common not, not to hijack it and derail it, but I've heard your story from a lot of moms that, you know, mm -hmm. the first, like maybe their first kid was, was injured and then they, they didn't, they didn't do anything with the second and third kids and the second and third kids totally healthy. And they've completely stepped out of the system and they've, they've turned it into this, like really, this really beautiful lesson and, and uh, have shared it with other parents. And, and that's where, that's where it starts. But um, you know, unfortunately it takes, it takes some people getting hurt to, to really wake, wake people up. And, and that sucks. Like it takes the bottoming out with a lot of things and, and that, that includes the system, you know? So, um, I mean, a lot of respect for you for, for speaking up and, and doing that part. So thank you. Oh, no, thank you. And I think there are so many, um, moms and, and dads, you know, families like that, who are too ashamed. I don't know what the right word is, but scared, you know, to speak up because you do get ridiculed, you know, or I think people yeah. don't want to hear it. They're, they're so triggered and get angry, you know, by these stories. So the more people that can speak out, the better, but you're right. You know, I've never thought of it in quite that depth, but you are from pregnancy pretty much indoctrinated, aren't you? And then once you've had the baby and we don't live in communities where we have any help 
and you're so tired and exhausted that you just kind of go along with it without even thinking. Um, and then you're kind of well and truly indoctrinated, I guess, a few months in. So, yeah. I mean, if you think that you're, if you're kind of conditioned to think that your OBGYN and your, your birth team is God, they're playing God in that moment, right? It's like, no, your body, this pregnancy happened outside into you. Like your body isn't, it, your body doesn't know how to take care of yourself in this situation. So you need us to do, and you need to be in this hospital so that we can get this done. It's like, uh, really, are you sure? And, and then if you go down that, if you continue to go down, you know, where does it end? It doesn't like it. That's, I feel like that's a generational thing that gets carried on. So, you know, if you're, if that's just the way that you were raised as a kid, obviously you don't remember the first couple of years of your life when all that happened um, on a conscious level, but you, you, you ultimately stay in that. And then you grow up, you have kids and that continues on. So that's the way I see it. And that's, that's what I think about as I'm driving around or if I'm in the shower and I'm like, Oh, I, I hope I can one day articulate that, you know, and I think I just kind of did. So that, yeah. that feels good. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I love it. I love it completely. And um, and the good thing is it can be reversed in the other way. Like my youngest, you know, she gets feels a bit off. She's like, Mommy, can I have some homeopathy? <laughs> you know, we'll go and get the kit and work out which one, start having a look. And I'm like, I love it. You know, so it can work the other way as well. For um, sure. Totally. So what do you like, what would you in your dreams of the future healthcare system look like? I think it would start with just empathy between <laughs> and and like dropping the labels just two people coming to talk and I've always tried to go into situations acknowledging that the person that I'm going to be talking to is an expert in something that I'm probably not an expert in and to to trust their guidance and to also just have an open conversation and have whatever so say like somebody's coming to fix a leak in my roof right and I've never worked on a roof before and never repaired any sort of leak. I'd like to have some sort of conversation as to like, okay, what's the source? Like, obviously the, the leak is the symptom, but there's, it's obviously coming from somewhere else. So like, what are we going to do? How are we going to like navigate this entire situation? And then just, just have a conversation and probably at the same time be like, do you have kids? Like just, just talk. Right. And there's this, like, I've always looked at every job as this, like I, I have a fascination with whatever anybody's doing, like working with their hands or teaching kids or, or, or whatever it is. And I don't think that right now the, the healthcare system is set up in such a way that that empathy really exists. Like it's almost it. And I guess I use, you know, emergency situations or even like pregnancies, kind of like what I was saying a minute ago, as there's this like God complex coming from, the doctor or whoever it is, like you get the white coat syndrome where like you're around them and then you're just going to do what they say because they're the ones that are in charge. And there's really no informed consent with everything. There's, I mean, even looking at, at doctors who give a lot of injections to kids, like a lot of them don't know about VAERS. That's the vaccine adverse event reporting system in the U S they don't know about like if, if I'm not a part of that system and I have to explain to somebody who's in that system what it is and that's it, like, that's their, they should know that. And right now I, I think that since there isn't that, I don't know, that, that empathy and that ability to even have a conversation with people that are outside of the system and just be like, look, what did you do and why did you do it? And what's the information that you know? And then ultimately if everybody has enough of those conversations, then we can all kind of, at least come to an informed decision in the first place. I think with just taking informed consent out of things, there's really, um, I don't know, it, it's just, it's so sad to see people thinking that they're making the right decision and, and whether or not you want to get a treatment or not, that's totally fine. But if you think that you have the full story or that, and really only have like one side of it, and you're so convinced that that's the right side, it's like, mm, do you? And obviously nobody's had the conversation with you or you haven't let that person in and just being able to like, I don't know that you see the isolation and the lockdown and the quarantining and like everybody's staying away from each other. It's like, well, yeah, obviously there hasn't been empathy over the past 15 or 16 months or whatever it is at this point of people sitting down and having the conversation. It's, it's really this like alienating thing. And I, I don't, I don't see the way forward until people can actually sit down face to face and, you know, not, not be like, 
so thrown off about like headlines happening in India or like a different part of the country that they're not involved in and just be like, look, are your experiences and your observations from like right now and over the past 15 years or past 15 months, like really signaling that there's this, this huge problem that we all have to like uproot all these things for and close things down for, or is there, or is there really, you know, something that, that we can do right now? And let's just, let's just talk, like leave emotion out. Let's just, Mm -hmm. let's have a conversation. And I don't think that the system right now is set up in a way that allows that. So um, it, it very much just feels like a, I don't know, authoritarian, heavy handed rule. And you got to tip your cap to how, how interwoven it is with so many other systems like airlines, um, you know, international government. Like there's a lot of, there's just a lot going on right now. And it's, I think it's intentionally this confusing um, mm. for us. And I don't know the, the Western medical system just has to fall bottom line. I, I don't know how else to, I don't know how else to say that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I hope one day we'll look back and think how primitive, you know, that you went to the doctor about and they just looked at, you know, your one body part in isolation. Yeah. You know, for me, it just feels so bizarre <laughs> that that is how sort of um, the, the conventional medicine system treats people when you go in for, you know, an ear problem. They won't like, like when my daughter used to get before I sort of became fully aware, you know, she used to get recurrent ear infections. And I used to say all the time, you know, what could be causing these? Could it be diet? Could it be dairy? I'm sure every time she has dairy, you know, she um, she gets an ear infection. And the doctor was like the GP was like, no, no, absolutely no link whatsoever. Let's just give her some more antibiotics. And, you know, then when I started exploring more alternative routes, the first thing I was told was, you know, dairy so mucus forming and can can obviously lead to recurrent ear infections. And it was like, I knew it. My mother's instinct, my intuition knew that there was a link. You know, I think we need to get back to listening to our um, intuition a bit more. Which um, I, I think really starts with, you know, values in the household and values at home. And, you know, eventually most the majority of parents send their kids to school at a certain age and then also making sure that the school is reflecting those values. Um, and I think that everything is so tied into the, the scientism lens, right. That everything is this very reductionistic. Okay. Let's only look at one body part or let's only look at one thing, or there can only be one variable that causes this. Like that mindset is incredibly dangerous. Like it just, it, it obviously leads us to what's happened over the past 15 months. So um, being able to be in a congruent environment at home and at school is a really, really important thing because, you know, kid, if, if kids get one thing from one parent and then one thing from another parent or another adult, it, that's really, really confusing for a kid because they want to, they want to be led and they want to also like appease the people that are teaching them certain things so that they can fit in. And for, to hear like two completely different things, it's, it's really, really tough. And I, I just think at this point, um, like the parents are on the same page of like the scientism, like indoctrination, which is really, really, really scary. Um, mm-hmm. because now it's like, you kind of have to, <laughs> you kind of have to have the conversation starting with empathy to like break down all these things in the parents too. And, mm-hmm. and then they have the kids that are programmed with that. I, so it's, it's tough, really tough. <laughs> There's a lot that's got to change. And you're right that the, I think, the mainstream education system is another one that needs complete overhaul um, yeah. right now, without a doubt. So, yeah, and I think that, yeah, us just living, us living in the most congruent way possible and living by these principles, like especially as providers, we have to be like walking examples of that. And if we are ultimately, I, I just I think that people will will use their own observation to look at what we're doing. And the people that we're, we're with, like our, our tribe of people, whether it's people that are in our office or people that, that work with us and just be like, oh, that, that does seem like a, a higher expression of health and of life. And then they'll hopefully ask the question, well, what do you do? And then you can really go into the philosophy of like, well, we work with life force or, and, and rather than just like, oh, I look at, you know, I'm a right hand specialist. I only look at people's <laughs> right hands and it's like, I won't look at the left hand and I, don't even put it in the mirror and help me look. Cause I'm not going to, I don't even know what's going on. That's it's like, that that's how, that's how insanely just spe- hyper-specialized everything's gotten to a point where 
it's all compartmentalized and it's like, Nope, there's no way that the, uh, the liver can affect the gallbladder. There's no way like just any other, like I it's, that's where it's at right now, which is very scary to me, but, uh, also just shows that there's a ton of opportunity to change. Yeah. Do you think that, um, I've asked this question a lot actually but it's interesting to get different people's perspectives do you think that the majority of people do have to have a big sort of trauma or life event to kind of make them see a different side or do you think it can kind of be drip fed into them and then they you know get the message there's two things that I think have to happen one of two things rather one would either be that massive bottoming out or that massive you know abnormal vibration that goes on you know in their in their minds that says something has to change whether that's a physical emotional chemical spiritual kind of bottoming out that has to happen or just something that's traumatic enough and then people will start to ultimately question things and then you know like me it was it was just once I kind of had that like moment I was like oh this is the lens through which I'm kind of going to filter everything going forward so you can get it that way, like a bottoming out, like you said, or a trauma or something, something undesirable that happens. And then you start to question things or the other way, which doesn't leave a scar is to just kind of have this programming from the beginning, like a, like a, wow, our bodies are amazing programming rather than our, wow, we have to shield ourselves from the environment at all costs programming. And from that, you can, you can kind of just get to this point where it's like, you get it and you, you have that, that mindset and you, you filter everything through that lens. So yeah, either a trauma or just a big enough reason and purpose why, which, you know, can be kind of, can be kind of tough for like a five-year-old kid. But um, yeah, I think some of it happens later too. I've seen a lot of people realizing in their twenties, you know that that something's something's different maybe maybe it's subconsciously seeing parents generation or just older people talking about health in a certain way or expressing health in a certain way that isn't something that they want to do like for me my my accountability partner with with everything that I do it's not somebody else it's nobody external it's just it's me when I'm 50 or it's me when I'm 70 or it's me when I'm 90 or me when I'm 100 like being able to still do all these things that I want to be able to do physically emotionally intellectually rather than just, no, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to go do this because my buddy's going to do it and he's going to hold me accountable. It's like, that doesn't, doesn't mean anything, right? It, yeah. For me, it's like long-term and, and is this something sustainable? Does it make me happy? Is it something that, that I'm going to continue to be able to do and um, express? I, I love that. I wonder, you know, sometimes I do think this last year has given a big opportunity for people to reframe things or think differently um it's in some ways I get disappointed I guess that more people haven't used it as an opportunity um but I guess there are more people looking at things differently so I need to look at the positives I guess and keep putting that message out there um yeah so I just hope I don't know what it's like in the US now one thing I wanted to talk about was um your passport resistance uh, is, is that is that something you're working on at the moment still the um, got a website set up and instagram page i know you've been busy so i'm not sure if you're as active on that at the moment with everything else going on yeah so it was interesting because i never really stepped into the advocacy activism realm other than i guess advocating for people on a, a more personal individual level so to actually put a name on something create a page create a website that was to see almost just what would happen. And there was a lot of positive feedback right away. And I think more than anything, what I wanted to do is give people permission to have the conversation and just ask the question, is it okay to split society into two based off of an experimental vaccine or an experimental injection, not even a vaccine because you, you can't even call it that. So is that okay? And then just have the conversation and just ask the question and not say anything. It, because if everybody's asking what your your medical history is and or like your your status like did you get it did you get it like that's not okay that's not an okay question to ask so to to ask that question hey is it okay to split society into two? it doesn't matter if you got it or not is it okay to split society into two based off of this and then and then shut up and then don't say a word and then it, then it's a conversation and i think i think this is where we had to get to to really look, kind of 
like what you were asking a minute ago to, to bottom out or to have that trauma that's abnormal enough to be like, oh, well, I guess it is everybody's personal choice to get this. Whether And then if they're still saying, oh, well, you're putting everybody at risk, then you can actually have the conversation. Well, you know, it doesn't study transmission. You know that they, you know, use relative risk reduction rather than absolute risk reduction to report all this. Like there's no long-term studies. You can, you can go into all of that from a health side if, if there's an argument that's being put up. But again, that, that's not really answering the question. Is it, is it okay to split society into two based off of this? Is it okay to segregate? Is, is it okay to have to push equality and equity and you know, inclusion and all this and all these other areas, but then completely do the opposite with this? Like, is that okay? Mm-hmm. And I think it opened the door for a lot of people to have the conversation and not feel awkward about it because it's all over the place now. I, I think ultimately the job with the passport resistance, I could keep giving guidance and keep posting. And I have some other people that I'm working with on it and we can keep posting, but we don't need to be the news for people. Like we don't mm-hmm. need to, <laughs> we don't, I, I, I don't even like being in that world because I like to keep my world pretty small and, and not, not that I try to bury my head in the sand and pretend that things aren't happening, but there's a certain amount of information that I like to take in. I like to get the message and then hang up the phone. It's like, okay, I see it. I, I acknowledge it. It's there. Is it, is it in my like one meter squared right here? Like, is it, is it in my living room? Is it here right now? No, it's not a threat. Okay, great. Put it like file it away. I got it. I don't need it anymore. And I don't know if <laughs> I, I think I was the right person to, to start that, that passport resistance. But it was more just like, look, we have to start, we have to start having this conversation or else it's just going to, we're going to get steamrolled on this. And morally, I think people understand that it's not, it's, it's not something that should happen. And I, I really, truly in the bottom of my heart, think that everything that's happening right now, as far as statistics about how many people have gotten it, um, about all these places that are going to implement it. I just think it's all fear mongering. I, I don't think it's actually happening. I, I really don't think there's like anyone behind the curtain. I, I think it's just someone's asleep at the wheel. It's AI. It's, it's, it's something that's not actually happening. And um, yeah, I, I think this is going to go down as just uh, a real, a failed attempt. And at, at worst, at the absolute worst scenario, there's like a three to five year stretch where some of this actually does get implemented and it's kind of weird. Um, but I think that love always wins. Light's going to prevail. And I, I don't know. It, it's just, it, it's, it's going to happen. It has to happen because People aren't going to be happy when, you know, the booster rolls around in six months when there's, you know, the friggin' Florida variant that comes around. And then in 12 months when there's an, and, and people, <laughs> what's going to be, what's going to be really cool is when people come from the side of, yes, I either believe in this technology or I believe in this, you know, experimental injection and I got it, but I'm also not for segregation of society into two based off this. And, and there are people that, that definitely feel that way that fall into that side rather than just like the, no, I'm against this society can't be split into two. There's people that are actually, they, they took it. They think it's, you know, they think it's going to give them protection. I personally don't, but I'm not going to argue with somebody in that scenario because ultimately it's not about, for me, it's not about the, the, uh, the outcome of the injection as much as it is. (laughs) If you're going to deny me access to, get on an airplane or go see my family or go do like, I can't go in a grocery store now or my bank account's going to get frozen because I have, because I didn't participate in this, this experiment. Hmm. Okay. So I, and people are smart. We're going to figure out a way around it. But like I said, three to five years tops and then something better comes from it. So it always does. Um, Yeah. Sick people do sick things. You know, this is, there's if what we're hearing about like the Bill Gateses and, and all these people is, is true. Those are really sick people. And you, we'll see the uh, we'll see the effects of that sooner than later. So I, I think that's, you know, I really like what you said. And I, I sort of mentally prepared myself the same that at worst, even if, you know, this does actually come into fruition, it's going to be for a yeah. few years because it can't, you know, I know people that, or, um, have had the had have had it, but they're oh, they're still going to the march on on Saturday in London because they don't agree yeah. with you know the 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 lack of freedom and the segregation. So I like to think that good will always win too. So um, yeah, it might be a couple of weird years, but I'm like, you know what? I will just stay stuck. One of my favorite thing to do has always been to travel. So you know, I've 
last year I was really like oh my god I can't not travel I can't but now I've kind of made peace with it I'm like if I have to stay here for a few years fine but um you know there will be an end I think inside eventually well, well that's why we take pictures when we travel so <laughs> I've been looking a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been, and I'm very, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very envious of you guys in the states, where I think you've got that just, you know, you you can travel and see every landscape and get all these different climates. Okay, you've got a long drive, but you don't have these borders. Um, you know, I'm thinking, oh, to live in the states right now would be quite amazing to, to be able to sort of still have that freedom. Um, but yeah. I, I need to change, I think, my location of where I live when I can, um, something to work on. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to have this. Um, well, I don't know. I, I try to empathize with people in, in different countries that feel as if they're kind of stuck there right now. And technically, I mean, we're stuck in the in the U.S. But I mean, I have my, my fiance's family is all in Canada. Like she she technically stayed in the U.S. with me. But going to Canada right now would be a worse, a worse outcome for both of us. And I don't even know if I'd be able to go like, uh, obviously you're familiar with Chris Sky and a lot of what, what he's been putting out as far as, you know, standing up and not doing the, the tests, the quarantining and all that. Mm-hmm. But that's more so for Canadian citizens. Like, I don't, I have no idea what I'd be able to do as a non-Canadian citizen going there. Like, would they try to put me in a quarantine hotel? Like, or, or they just say, no, this is not essential because you're just visiting you're just visiting your in-laws. Like I I don't, I don't know. There's really the amazing part of this is to see people acting against their instinct. The people that are in like perceived control, like somebody at the supermarket saying, no, you have to put a mask on. It's like, why? And then they're like, I don't know. This is just my, it's just the orders. I've, I've just been told that you have to put a mask on. It's like, well, why, what, why do I like, why is it federal law? Show me the law. Like all these things. And it's people enforcing things that aren't their idea. And um, it's the same thing with like crossing borders internationally. I I think ultimately people don't want to be doing any of this, but they are because they're afraid of whatever the, I don't know, perceived punishment consequence would be if they didn't do their job. So Mm I don't know, maybe the answer is just everybody have not a shitty job and then (laughs) they wouldn't have to, I I, I don't know, but um, I love that. Yeah, yeah. That's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the, and, and for real, like people, I think people can go into alignment with what they truly value and what their real passions are. And that's what a lot of people have taken this as an opportunity to do over the past year uh, mm-hmm. or 15 months or whatever number of months I keep saying um, to go into something that they, they love doing and that they wake up and they're excited about rather than, yeah, you know, I work, I work at uh, airport security and I don't love it, but you know, it pays the bills and then they have to go put a double face shield on for eight hours and tell people that they either can or can't do things when really it's not their idea in the first place. So yeah, it's, um, I think that's part of the, the great awakening of all this, you know, it's given people time to slow down a bit, I think, and think, yeah, yeah. um, all right, I'm going to ask, I'm really conscious of time. I'm going to ask you last question, if that's all right. I ask everyone. Sure. Um, yeah. If you could have one wish for humanity right now, what would you wish for? Oh, I, I don't want to repeat what I said with, with empathy, but it would be, yeah, it, it would be having those conversations, right? And, and ultimately, I think if you really go back, you know, to when we lived in like a smaller community and tribes, we learned through like a, almost like the hierarchy, like from the, from the wisdom of the elders. And that was passed down. And right now I don't, I don't see that, that fabric in anything. I I see people yearning for community and ultimately coming to organizations like health freedom for humanity, or a lot of these things that are really like, they're great, but they're also, they're not in person. They're not, Mm -hmm. they're not face to face. It's not just like a, a group of people here with me in Sarasota 20 of us or a hundred of us or a thousand of us that are all at least one or two values that we really like jive with. And it's not just like a, an event on a, a Saturday, which is great, you know, where there's all these people it's no, like we get together weekly or a bunch of us go see the sunset every night. And we talk and we talk about values and we talk about life and we talk about the important things. And a couple people are regenerative farmers and a couple people are, 
you know, public officials, law enforcement, sheriff, a couple people, you know, are the healers, a couple people, you know, look after the kid. Like it, it really just has to get back to that. And I don't think that that future becomes possible without starting at just the, the most foundational um, trait that we have as human beings, which is empathy and to be able to understand what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. And then just start with the conversation. It, like so, so much of it's like, it, it's so tough to even get that ball rolling, but then once it's rolling, the momentum just continues and, and so many good things come out of that. But yeah, I remember, I remember last August is when I was really starting to talk to my, my parents about like, <laughs> just, it, it, it was so tough to get the first sentence out about what I felt was happening and what mm-hmm. they needed to know. And then once it started, it was such an easy conversation that just kept going. It was so lucid and clear and incredible. And, and uh, yeah, my, my greatest wish would just be for everybody to start to have that with the people that really matter in their lives. And, and, and just, even if there's a huge disagreement, like a huge fundamental disagreement for people to just be like, Hey, I, I still love you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and starting from the, and then I guess the other thing would just be, you know, the wish, another wish would be, I don't know how many wishes are in this genie bottle, but <laughs> you can um, have how many you want. Yeah. Like. J- just people remembering their inherent strength, you know? Like it's, it's a miracle that all of us are born, like sperm and egg came together to form two cells four, eight, sixty. like, and now we're, now we're here and, and we can always improve the condition that we're in, right? W- whatever environment that we're in, we, we can, we can figure out a way to transmute whatever, whatever negative is there into something positive. And, and as long as we, <clears throat> as long as we still have breath, there's still hope for improvement. And another thing I realized talking to my parents in August, this was last year, like four or five months into the lockdown is like nobody had told them and and they'd only been like watching the news and not interacting with other people. Nobody told them in that amount of time that they were strong, just Mm -hmm. that they were strong people and that they could, Oh, I have somebody here. Um, (laughs) um, Nobody told them that they could just like live and be vibrant and be okay. It was just this, this constant attack on the, on the subconscious that all these things were going to go wrong. And if they didn't do this, this, and this and fall lock and key, with, with everything that it, it was, you know, they were putting themselves at danger. They were putting everybody near them at danger, which is ironic because they were quarantined anyway. But um, <laughs> I, yeah. there was just that inherent, not inherent, just the, the external environment and people in it telling them that they're weak and that they should be afraid. And just mm-hmm. that loop playing in people's head. If people just, just dropped that shit and just like got back to their, their default, their normal, which is that that strength and the ability to adapt to everything, then you know empathy and and that are the, the two the two real wishes and they're simple. But if they were complicated, then they would never happen. So it literally just has to be like the two most foundational things that just start to get the ball pushing, and then I mean the right things will happen from there. I, I don't know how else to say that. No, no, I love that, and that's a great note to end on. Um... Thank you so much. I feel like we've just scratched the surface and I've you know, really, really enjoyed chatting and really appreciate sort of taking the time out of your day. Um, and I know people are going to love listening to this. So thank you so much. And uh, giving some hope for us in the UK that life can go on normal elsewhere is uh, it's really good to hear as well. Yeah, well, it's uh, it, it was a nice little chat. And I'm sure there's we could have gone on for a few more hours, but um, hopefully some people, yeah, take the take the hopeful message out of that and also realize that, you know, it may not be short term, it may not be intermediate term, but if you stick to your principles and you stick to your morals and values that long-term ultimately it will be the the right outcome. Um, but we can't cave right now. <laughs> I love it. And that is a great parting message. So yeah, thank you so much. Um, really appreciate it. Have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks Lisa. You too. Bye. Bye.